Do you know what your partner's up to when you're away and they're all alone? No, what? They're listening to the Screw Podcast, of course. What's that? Mm, sit back, relax, and listen. You're all gasmatics. You're all gasmatics. Sneaking in the back door with dirty magazines. So your mother wants to know what all the stains on your jeans. And you're all gasmatics. Thanks for tuning in to the Screw Podcast with Felicia Rose and A Love. What's up? This week is our third edition of our masculinities conversation, where we do a deeper dive into the topic. AKA Ma. Aaron pulls up documents and reads off of them while I go, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> macho, macho man. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Macho, macho man. It's funny, ever since we started this conversation, I've been running into, not that I don't already run into the topic of masculinities often, but I feel like I've been more sensitive to it. And I've been Mm. running into even more and more of these just common tropes and in places that people I don't think realize they're even using them. And it's so Mm. interesting to kind of take a step back and evaluate it like, wow, we really are in a fucking patriarchy. No shit. Well, and so, you know, and for this week, I think it's important because the queer boys, like, like get their panties in a bunch. See, look at the, look what I did there, um, especially when we're talking about masculinities here. Well, that's just my preference. Okay, fine. That may be your preference for the scene that helps you ejaculate in the bedroom. And I'm not here to come after your ejaculation scenes. I'm not here to come <laughs> off... For what gets your clit hard and, and, and swollen. <laughs> I'm not here for to come for what gets your nipples hard and twitching. I'm not going to come for what makes you come. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's important. You know, we talk about sex a lot. There's certainly plenty of, of things and desires and scenes that can have like problematic safety outcomes and things you should keep in mind. And I don't think this is any different. And, and here's why, you know, it's one thing to run a scene to say, you know, I, I'm into this big macho person spanking me and, and being submissive or being dominant. And we've talked many times about submissive and dominant does not have anything to do with like masculine or femme. It's just things that get us. Well, it shouldn't at least. It, or it shouldn't at least. Right. So, you know, and, and. The problem comes in, and this is where the safety and health issue is, is is when these things become something that, you know, kind of um, unintendedly cause some sort of level of shame or, or, or self-questioning in the individual having to deal with, like, you expelling all your desires all over the internet and social media apps. And it's, it's me to caution to say, hey, work mutually with whoever your your partners are to develop whatever it is that gets you both off in 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 the sack but like perhaps don't put out there that you have like this full endorsement of like toxic masculinity ideas in order to attract your your partner because i'm telling you one thing you may want like the stereotypical mask for mask in the sack, but do you really want that stereotypical mask for your romantic partner? That person that is going to make you feel like shit is going to like man 
explain everything, put everything in man charge, tell you that, like, have you... What you need to do is, that's my favorite, like... <laughs> well, sure, you you can still take down the patriarchy while getting off your pussy. Those are things that, you know, you can you can still uphold your values, but also be cool with certain levels of pleasure not upholding your values, right? Like, in the bedroom, I'm a little slut whore bitch that doesn't deserve the cock I'm about to suck and I'm going to be spit on and slapped in the face. I surely don't want that outside of the fucking bedroom though. So it's, it's okay to have your little power play in the bedroom. Just make sure that shit doesn't trickle into your fucking real life. I shouldn't say unless you want that shit. Just don't want that shit. (laughs) I mean, mean, you you can, but like, yikes. (laughs) It's complicated. And we've talked about many times before about like the intersection of where, you know, fetish play and kink is kind of influenced by like kind of the social um, stuff of society. I'm trying to like keep as judgmental neutral a thing as possible here. But Um, You know, unpacking, you know, the ways of which social norms and social roles have like kind of influenced and made up all of our kind of sexuality and our and our ability to interact with each other. That's a long, hard unpack and one that a lot of people I don't even necessarily think are conscious of happening in their lives. Right. You could tell them that like, oh, that that particular behavior that you enjoy in bed definitely sounds like it comes from, you know, watching your father talk like shit to your mother your whole childhood. But am I here to tell you, like, you know, oh, you should have, like, a complex over the fact that it makes you excited and it's part of your fantasy. No, I mean, your fantasy files don't, they can be therapy all you need them to be. Right. Again, right. you just shouldn't be seeking that treatment outside of the bedroom because it's called abuse. Right. You know, right. so I think that a lot of times there's this trickle over of, of masculinities, power plays, bedroom stuff into real life stuff. And, and you know, not all the time, obviously. There's plenty of people that are absolutely in charge IRL and then in the bedroom they are, that's like me, for example. But there is that unfortunate overlap of when the fantasy becomes your reality. And that's the part that we are kind of looking at a little bit more on this week's conversation. It's that, you know, where, where does the line live and how do you draw it in a firm way while also respecting all of your needs in and out of the bedroom? And when do we forget that, the bedroom isn't outside of it. You know, there's there are times when people accidentally end up in an abusive scenario because they were just seeking somebody who's willing to hit them really hard in the bedroom. And, oh, that just happens to be somebody that's down to hit you outside of the bedroom. You know, again, these are not sure. always the case, but these are examples of times when, you know, that toxicity, I hate to say toxic masculinity because it's a buzzword nowadays, but Sorry. that toxicity does trickle outside of a place where, you know, it's acceptable in the bedroom as long as it's obviously consented to ahead of time and everything is discussed and kosher. You know, it's okay to act out these power plays that are not okay outside of it. 
And it's interesting well, how the patriarchy fucks with your actual sex life, you know? And in some cases, I do think it is somewhat a therapeutic journey to, like, tap in and figure out some of these things in the bedroom because maybe they have trickled up into your into your everyday life, right? There's a lot of accesses for this, right? Like, you know, if you have experienced some sort of trauma and, you know, we, I remember talking about this in a class called Physical and Sexual Abuse and there, you know, was a complicated kind of conversation that's happening about, you know, people being victim or... Let's not use the word victim because survivors, is, you know, or or people who have experienced some sort of trauma, right? And sexual trauma specifically, who have found themselves in a kind of a vortex of of having fantasies about this trauma and 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 having some sort of level of of arousement over this trauma, and then because of like the the kind of nature of how people feel like certain people feel there should be only one way we can talk about this. You were a victim. You shouldn't feel good about this. Right. Um, but yet what's really like, what's really real is really what one needs to address and talk about. Right. And saying, well, you have this. And then now, now because you're feeling a certain way about it, are you also on top of it having happened to you? Are you also now supposed to feel shame because you're deriving some level of pleasure out of said thing that's happened to you, right? This is your private conversation with your own sexuality and your own desires, right? And everybody, whether they realize it or not, you know, you're out there kind of influencing your partners, your sexual partners, and your, your, um, <laughs> you know, the, anybody that you've done anything wrong to, you're, you know, you're now a part of influencing that sexuality and the way that they, they kind of experience pleasure and things in their lives, right? And, you know, in order to, like, really unpack this stuff, sometimes a journey needs to happen, right? And, you know, you could have gone through this experience and it could be, okay, um, you know, I only find myself in relationships with people that, like, don't treat me well, right? Right? And, and they don't treat me well because my psychology of my sexuality is all, like, tied up with, like, certain traumatic factors that have happened in my life, right? And it's hard to find someone to experience, you know, these sort of things that I, I'm journeying on with somebody that I can trust and somebody that is safe to go through this, like, level of exploration for, right? And so, you know, when we talk about things like what Master Joshua does, and we've talked to Master Joshua on this show before, um, there are elements of that that I think, you know, getting into a trusting relationship with somebody, because some, so, so, sometimes these kind of ideas just get stuck in our head because we have had something happen or a curiosity about something that has happened and we've had no way to explore it. And sometimes just the act of exploration takes it out of your psyche and lets you move beyond it, right? I have had many female friends and male friends, but like specifically for the purposes of this story, who after they've had a traumatic experience sexually with, with a partner have asked me to like, if I could help them create a safe space for their sexuality and explore their pleasure with somebody that they know wasn't going to bring on a 
a traumatic or or re-traumatizing experience for them. And obviously, like if you're on the other end of that, you have to be sure you can handle that task that's being <laughs> asked of you, right? Of course, you know, of course. Well, and that some, that mm-hmm. makes me question also the the more positive side of the of the sexuality masculinities overlap conversation, where it's like there are so many people who their acts in the bedroom, and again, acts do not equate to sexuality, but their acts in the bedroom defy what we see as masculine or feminine or however we look at them. And that defiance then becomes, I mean, that's the greatest form of fucking, you know, protest right there is, is, is kind of breaking these, these boxes that we are put in mm, constantly mm, sure. and doing sexual acts that say are quote unquote more feminine or more masculine or doing sexual acts with people that wouldn't necessarily fall within your sexuality. And it's only because the act itself holds a certain power that gets you off. Mm. Pat Khalifa is the I was just going to say, I was just going to say, what a great transition to Pat Khalifa, because we've talked about Pat Khalifa, and Pat Khalifa is, um, uh, was, is historically a columnist, a BDSM um, lesbian dom top, um, who I've just found out in this research who has transitioned and now uh, uses he, him, he, him pronouns. Oh, I, I had no uh, clue. Okay. Yeah, that was part of like, I was like, okay. Um, but like, you know, so... Uh, Pat Khalifa would enter into these kind of subdom relationships with primarily gay men and and do things like, you know, fisting, spanking, you know, like kind of more kind of plus plus heavy <laughs> queer sex kind of activities. And I remember saying, OK, like I can kind of understand, I think, from many different angles, but I really wanted to unpack in my head, like why a gay man might choose this again because it's it's it kind of like is outside of like what you're defining your sexuality as as Mm -hmm. you know wanting to sleep with a man and have sexual activities with a man but here is a scenario um where this kind of hardcore sexuality is happening and these gay men are choosing to have at the time like a lesbian dominatrix do these activities to them and I said, oh, okay, why, is, I, why, why would they choose that? Right, and that's, I mean, I'm sure every single person is that experienced that or that was into doing that probably has a different reason. Mm. But I, w- I wonder if part of it is feeling like it's more of a safe space than doing those yeah. acts with. So, <clears throat> uh, again, you know, as a queer man yourself, mm. I can see why women who know that you're queer you do like women and men but you're queer and Mm -hmm. i could see why a woman would feel that you are a safer space to Mm -hmm. explore things post-trauma than say a cis straight man and i i find that interesting that within queer spaces more specifically you can find that defiance of these activities and who you do them with uh, more often because of 
I feel like there there's just this barrier breaking and these, the, you know, we're already saying fuck the status quo in so many different ways. Why not try a lesbian fisting you as a right. gay man? Right. Well, no, so well, it's interesting. And for some of these activities, especially that one, I was thinking, you know, there's a two prong thing here, right? There's some curiosity, but there's also like some need to learn learning involved and, and, and kind of education and, you know, again, going back to like representations of masculinity for some of these activities, if you were like a young, inexperienced person in some of these like BDSM fields, the last person you would trust, given the representation of it, would be a fucking butchy old fucking scary daddy to fucking put their hand inside your hole. Because yeah. th- there's nothing about that that feels or seems, at least in its representations, that they would be willing to be patient, incremental, um, understanding, caring, right? You know, you're, you're, you're kind of like led to feel and I I can tell you this experientially like out there trying to have queer sex in the world that like if you've decided to do this you have signed up to do this and you have decided up to basically give yourself to that person to to do it to you Mm -hmm. and that's that's a lot of trust to give up when you you don't have you know necessarily 100% faith that this is going to go in a way that you can either stop it if it doesn't feel good that you can prevent yourself from getting hurt because it's a complicated activity or that like emotionally you can handle that that kind of element of like basically letting another man completely faggotize you and i'm mm-hmm. saying that in like kind of like a, a negative way because this is where these masculinity things do become a problem where you're using certain activities or the pleasure of certain activities like extreme penetration or whatever to basically tell the other person well you're giving away your masculinity to me and i am like forcing heavier, stronger levels of masculinity and dominance over you. This is giving me flash flashes of that scene from the movie with... uh, You showed it to me. The one with the alien stuff. Oh, Mysterious Skin? Mysterious Skin. It's giving me flashes of like when the boy is older... And he sets up like a date or something with a very like beefy mask, uh-huh. manly man, and that man and that rips beats, him to shreds, yeah, and then him, beats him yeah, up, of course, but yeah. like rips him to fucking shreds, like a horrifying right. scene. But it's yeah. it, you're yeah you're giving me like when you were saying that I couldn't help but think of that. Yeah, that and 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 I I can't imagine it being that different for women that are interested in this. Like, the representations of men as doms are hyper-masculine, aggressive, basically... And too many men call themselves doms that don't even know what that fucking means. They don't know the responsibility behind it. They don't even know what the word aftercare means. And I'm sorry, but you don't know shit if you... what In my experience... Oftentimes, men that call themselves doms, cis straight men specifically that call themselves doms, are actually just looking to abuse you in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And they're looking to harm you in the bedroom. And you're scum to them. Instead of having this mutual conversation and agreement and packed ahead of time that you are going to take care of me no matter how far we go down this BDSM dom sub situation hole, you are going to 
take care of me, check in on me, make, look at body cues, look at uh, right. the way that I'm acting, the way that, you know, watching my, my physical body as well as checking in on me mentally. I've, I, nine times out of 10, the, the men that I've run into that claim to be doms are absolutely just abusers. Yeah, I, I think that this is an important detail. So, you know, dom and sub roles are about a mutually agreed upon mm-hmm. execution of power within a sexual or emotional relationship, right? Whereas many people are conflating dom and sub with um, power and control that mm-hmm. is relinquished or, or taken, Right. Right. It's not the same thing. And it's very important difference, because one thing, if you ever actually participate in some of these activities heavily or healthily, is that every dom that is playing the role of dom understands that they dom at the leisure of their sub. Yeah. The submissive is 100 percent in charge. Even though you are the submissive, you 100% control the entire narrative of what's about to happen. You are the actual person in charge. And if you're a dom and you don't think that, then you are not a dom, you are an abuser. Right. And some people will say, well, what's the point of this? Well, what's the point is none of your business, but one can offer some examples. The point is between those two partners. The point is maybe those two partners do have like histories of, of, of complexity around power and control from either avenue, but they have found a partner that is willing to help them explore, um, you know, the the intricacies of that sexually with the other, right? And there's all sorts of stereotypes, and I'm going to tell you right now, none of your stereotypes about a certain personality will tell you if they're sub or dom in the sheets. It just will never, oh, yeah. it's never going to work for you, because you can have. Mr. Freaking corporate power, fucking you know, in charge of a bunch of people making tons oh, of money on a leash every Saturday. He is you, underneath a set of heels or two. You, you okay. know it, but you can also have that same one who's you know like, well, I always just have this fantasy that all these people and all these things that I'm in charge of that I could actually be in charge of, Mm -hmm. that I can have them come over and be my footstool or have them come and blow me in between like, you know, stressful corporate board meetings or whatever. And like this, this is not a thing we need to judge as long as that person is exercising those desires with somebody who is consenting and has you know, figured out what their end of the the payoff is, if you will, right? You know, mm-hmm. and like, and these are very intimate trust needing scenarios, right? And they are, you know, they do utilize and 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 take in exaggerated definitions or impressions of like masculinity and femininity in the world, but that's also, you know, kind of why for me at least I think is a is a way to like work out that constant pressure we have a society that is constantly constantly trying to enforce these kind of roles of masculine and feminine and 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 a bunch of individuals in the world that are helping encourage that either passively or like aggressively (laughs) just just the fact that I still have customers and clients whatever you want to call them that are still afraid to ask me 
to say make a custom video and perform a role in it that that you know fucks with gender fucks with masculinities or power plays or whatever in a way that society tells them to be ashamed or embarrassed by the fact that they come to me a little shy about it or embarrassed first of all it's a great place to work out your shit with a sex worker that's consenting and da 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 but also it's so sad to me it's so sad that you're, I am the safest space possible for you to come to me and say that you want me to call you a little fucking bitch boy and, you know, do this, do that, X, Y, Z. I'm going to, I'm going to make you feel, you know, or, you know, for, like forced bisexuality or forced femininity, right. you know, shit right. like that. Right. It, it, it's not that. I expect people to come to me with that stuff, but the amount of people that are afraid to they, like they tiptoe around the idea. And I'm just like, why are you so ashamed to be able to enjoy this thing that you clearly have a fetish for? It's not. And, and even in my world. So <clears throat> we are so far behind the curve of people just being able to admit that like their gender expression in the bedroom might not, Fit the way society expects them to express the same gender outside of the bedroom, and that's just kind of disappointing. Absolutely, and 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 I think this is how we know. Um, I mean, there's two things, right? The fun thing to me is always looking at and saying, "Well, so what's really happening, right? If everybody mm-hmm. on the surface is like kind of passively endorsing masculine and feminine ideology for or gender roles or any of these things." And then what we see on the streets is complete disregard or turning all that shit on its head or reversing of it or indulging in it, even in the cases where, like, you know, you have hardcore feminists who, like, love to be spanked for fucking five and a half hours behind closed doors by a macho man. What we're saying is, like, this, they mean nothing, right? It means nothing. It's an (laughs) absolute, absolute constructed kind of thing that doesn't actually serve any of us in our actual sexuality and if anything it's influencing us influencing us in all sorts of unusual um i wanted to say fucked up ways and and i i only meant that as in it's it's opposite of everything you know, they're trying to pressure you to fall into, right? You know, I think most people would say a quote-unquote good man by today's standards does not mean that absentee, ineffectual father who smacks his wife to get her into place every once in a while, right? right? We would say that it's probably a little bit more emotionally available man who definitely would rally against abusing of wives or children and any of those. So we've adjusted some of that stuff in the the kind of social realm but nobody has everybody has failed to come up with an explanation of what the purpose of those those things are in in the social world if in the kind of sexual social world nobody's imploring them or they've got them all flipped on their heads or you know or or when when they do it becomes like an act of sexual violence and becomes illegal and problematic so this kind of influence of these two very like changing shifting subjective ideas of of how women and men should be or come off as um has all this downstream influence 
that doesn't on the surface really seem to be serving anybody in the way it was intended to like is there how many people are out there that their strict fantasy as like in a like let's say a male female hetero cis normative kind of sexual interaction is to have very vanilla missionary style sex um, only after marriage. Is this really anybody... Does anybody have this kind of fantasy of, like, <laughs> leave enough room for the Holy Ghost in their sexuality anymore? Like, I think like, that there's still this weird kind of rule that, again, the patriarchy likes to uphold where a lot of... In, let's say, a heterosexual relationship, a lot of men end up wanting the whore and marrying the Madonna, and then, or at least making them into that in their brain after marriage. And it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to like fuck the guts out of the woman that I married. Why? Ew, why? Like, what are you, what, what, ew, what? And it's so interesting that like, even within these like roles where it's like, okay, well now you're married, like get it, do whatever the fuck. Right. It's like, nope. Well, we got to uphold that, like, this purity, there's a purity standard here, and I have to see this person in a certain way. And then they go cheat. Well, you know, right. and it's, like, so, so, up. so it's a control standard, too, right? If I get the kind of, like, quote-unquote, frumpy, non-sexual, comfortable-in-their-own-skin kind of partner, then I can keep them from fucking anybody else. Right. Mm. I mean, we have to like if if we can unpack anything about masculinities, it's that there's a huge level of uh, or a huge lack of confidence going on in there. There's an insecurities that are like riddled in their kind of sexuality and the way that they need to present themselves. Right. You know, the Madonna and the whore thing always made me laugh because, you know, it's like for all of our socializing and this happens in same-sex relationships too where they meet you they meet you and they enjoy you because maybe the sex is good and maybe this and that but like they don't expect the same level of you once you settle down or get into a relationship like you know like ah that's not the that's not the person I want raising my kids Wait, you don't want to, you're the person who knows how to have good sex and understands all these things about pleasure to like teach that to your kids. You want your kids to be weird, fucked up, like people jerking off in a dark alleyway somewhere. Like, <laughs> there's like all these contradictions to like what we say and what we think those things are connected to. Like, I, I don't want. Uh, somebody to raise my kids that is like so prudish that they're gonna like flip out the first time they have to deal with the fact that the kid is masturbating you know like I don't want somebody who's gonna shame you know like we enter into these things that do become very similar to what we think is right based on like our influence and our upbringing like you know oh well I'm alive so Therefore, I should get, you know, strive to get those same elements for for my life. Alive is not, just alive is not a good criteria for living. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just alive. I'm just alive. (laughs) I'm just alive. You know, I've I've noticed as um, I've like 
moved through my life course here. This stuff that many people in my peer cohort used to say, I'm, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do these things my parents did. I'm never going to be this way with my family or, or as I get older. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to defy all of those things because they didn't seem right. And you see this like, like long, slow kind of falling into those some of those patterns and then the justification start where you're like wait but I thought you weren't gonna like go and move to small town America and stay there your whole entire life right I I, I thought you said that creates incredibly one-dimensional children who usually end up with all sorts of weird racisms and sexisms and whatever and now you're now you're okay with it uh okay you know, this isn't a judgment. Life, life fucking happens. But these kind of things where we duplicate things that we knew were unhealthy at some point in our life happen from us like not addressing it. Happens from us not talking about it. Happens from us accepting, you know, accepting these things that like don't feel good. And then that we just say, this is what we talked about even with what new queer order. The whole name rises out of the idea of not doing things in that old guard way that cause the same kind of traumas within the community that prevent the same kind of communication from happening. And that's why we're here having this conversation. Like, look, I get leather parties are high. It doesn't mean you have to actually believe masculinities are a real fucking thing that you need to do to one another to somehow deal with the insecurities or your fear of finding a, not finding a partner or your fear of being controlled by somebody else. We all have those fears. Masculinities is not the solution to those fears. I promise you. So this makes me want to ask you a personal question. Can you remember a time, probably in your earlier sexuality, child? I almost said childhood. I meant like you know, young <laughs> probably adult. Probably all of the above, yeah. <laughs> young adult sex life, you know, maybe in your, uh-huh. in your late teens, early twenties. Do you remember a time when masculinities entered the bedroom in a negative way, and on your end or the other person? Do you have like a story of a time where, or you upheld something that you're like now kind of like, oh, I'm yuck, like. If, Aaron today wouldn't do that, for example. Oh, that that's those are two very actually interesting questions. So I will say, you know, I have been fortunate enough where I did not grow up in households that heavily endorsed this masculinities idea. If anything, it was like very matriarchal based. Like you're going to listen to the women because the women are running the show here. And, and no, none of the men that were involved felt bad about that. They celebrated that. If anything, they said, well, I don't have to do that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they were just lazy dudes. I don't know. Sure. But no, no, nobody encouraged me to take on these characteristics of like of masculinities so when I you know and I certainly recognize them among my peers I recognize them in the pressure to be heterosexual which is always there in our society um so you're constantly trying on or looking this around to see what that looks like and and see if you could actually like pull that off (laughs) i will say my decided answer over and over again was no I'm too lazy to pull off, like, <laughs> pretending that... I mean, honestly, it's just... 
I, I couldn't imagine, and maybe this is just like the the center of like my my selfish pleasure in the world. I couldn't imagine spending more time thinking about how to hold my hand or not like sashay my walk or any of these numerous of things that you know you definitely get pointed at. And I got punished for it. There's no doubt about it. I got called faggot every day from like sixth grade to fucking ninth grade, you know, and that's four years of like uh, formative sexuality that you have to like really fucking believe in your shit and know and really trust that they're fucking wrong. And I see where that trauma ends up playing itself out as young queer men come out and start trying to have sex with one another. And, you know, it, it took a hot minute before, you know, it's really what's allowed people to do this in such a harsh way is the advent of the internet. You know, nowhere meeting another queer man organically did I have to have them ask me out loud, are you mask or femme? Or make any implications around that. It's only when we start seeing the kind of dating scene for, for queer folks move over to the internet that we see the boldness of people um, really working to categorize you in order to get that like ideal, whatever, sexual act interaction or whatever they think they're achieving um i'm, I'm just telling you it's, it's not how it works all best laid plans will be thwarted because let me tell you ladies you all think your mask when you write that and then you meet each other and it's just not that reality you know and it's such a subjective stupid thing but to answer your second question yes i most definitely have compromised my sense of comfort around mask and femme to please someone before. And it was definitely in the early days. It was definitely, you know, with like attachments to things that like definitely didn't make sense to me, but like I knew, you know, I know people think, right? You know, and, and, um, there was a lot of like posturing when I was young and queer about just like those queens that are effeminate. It's just a show. It's a defense mechanism. It's it's this. There was all these kind of things. And like, who wants to have sex with a defense mechanism? Who wants to have sex with a, you know, like like a a, a a bitchy femme? I mean, okay, first of all, nobody wants to have sex with a bitchy femme. <laughs> that kind of, that kind of fucking sucks. I'm and I shouldn't say nobody. I'm I'm sure there's somebody that that's their thing. Go ahead and enjoy. Yeah, people like brats. I, yeah, I, I'm not into brats. No matter how butch or femme you are, I'm not interested in you being a brat. But I definitely didn't have any, like, coding in my head around, like, what, especially in terms of, like, queer men. You know, it's one thing to be, like, you know, told that, you know, you're, you're a tough man, tough heterosexual man versus a wimpy, wussy, pussy heterosexual man it's another to try to figure out what the fuck that means within like queer male sexuality <laughs> right. like wait what okay so the wimpy one is the one that's gonna spread for you well there's nothing wimpy about fucking cleaning out having to open your ass for a big ass dick there's nothing wimpy about that yeah no cleaning cleaning the asshole is not a wimpy ass process no <laughs> but i i remember specifically and this is probably like kind of the worst of my like inability to and I'm sure I was going through shit at the time um, you know because I, I don't recall a time that I did it before then or after um, of which 
I felt lonely. Um, and I also had like something in my head about like wanting to get fucked and wanting to like, you know, get fucked in like the least complicated kind of way or so I thought. And that was just to like agree to all of the kind of roles and what they meant within the structure of it. Right. And so I agreed to meet up with this guy who turns out to be not just like a top <laughs> by the identity manager. He is a Republican, sports-loving um, top who expects you to be like, you know, not effeminate, but definitely quiet and definitely like um, submissive to like the whole deal, right? You know, like not like, how do you like to get fucked? This is how we're fucking. This is how it's going to be. And like, you know, and I'm going to say um, demeaning things to you that I did not like negotiate with you. Mm. And, you know, and, and so, you know, you see the kind of like that kind of like downplay. I compromise one little thing that I don't talk to people who use this language. Right. Like, I don't talk to people who are like, you know, are, are, are saying in either directions, mask looking for femme, because it doesn't mean anything to me, like, in, in these things. And so, you know, it was really tough, because, like, afterwards, you know, you are left feeling, well, because I wanted a dick in me on this particular evening, I had to give up my dignity to get a dick in me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that never fucking feels good, and it didn't <laughs> feel good, and it never felt good, you know, to, to have it kind of proposed after. Like, I, you know... We're, we're all adults. We can have the kind of sex we want without making other people feel like shit. Touche. My, I thought about... I was going to say, what about yourself? <laughs> I thought about the question while you were answering and because I hadn't actually thought about it myself. And when I think about it, I have to say that I, the, at least the first, I'd say, five years of fucking or, or fooling around in general... But but mostly fucking. I definitely was doing it for when I was fucking men. Um, mm. I was doing it for them. I wanted them to get the most pleasure out of the situation. I gave them the best. I wanted to be their best blowjob ever. I wanted to be their, you know, the sex that they go and brag about. And while I am a huge fan of pleasuring the person that I'm with, I didn't do it for the right reasons. I wasn't doing it because I felt respected by this person and and in exchange for said respect and feelings or whatever it was, and also pleasure, I was giving it back to them. No, no, no. I let people completely use me and I did the best. I literally... Why do you, why do you think you my it? sexuality for because of the patriarchy mm. because I wanted to be the best whore I wanted to be mm. I wanted to be you know uh somebody I, I not wanted to be but like just it was ingrained in me if you will sure. that women are supposed to not be dead fish in bed starfishes in bed and women are supposed to you know or boring women, only boring women don't get on their knees and let you blow them or ha- or blow you until they you explode in their mouth, right? Like shit like that where like I literally wasn't even getting pleasure out of a lot of the scenario. Now, mentally, sometimes it was just hot for me to get somebody off quick, things like that. I won't say that that isn't a layer there, but a lot of the times I was allowing sexual acts to happen 
that didn't even take into consideration that I was a human being. Mm. And it was more of I'm a whole and not in a hot way. If I negotiate ahead of time with you that I want to be your pocket pussy. I don't want you to talk to me. (laughs) I don't want you. I want to be asleep, fake asleep or real asleep. You know, that I'm into. But only now on my own terms am I into that. And I think I actually developed that fetish because I did feel like that for so long of my sexual awakening where I felt like I was literally just there to appease the person. Cause I, I wasn't fucking woman until later, uh, you know, years into having sex. So when I was fucking men, I was fucking men for them. It wasn't doing it for me. And, you know, can I get off on some of the memories? Sure. Because I was being used and that's my kink Same. now, but that's my kink because now I want to be in charge of that. And I wasn't for so long. I was fucking people for them. So that is how the patriarchy fucked my relationship with sex up at the first however many years. Like I, I remember having a partner that any time he had a boner, I felt it was my duty to take care of it. Mm. What? Mm. I, it, it, regardless of if I had food in my stomach and I didn't feel well, like I never took myself into consideration in any kind of human sense i was inhumane to myself and because i felt like that's what i needed to be to be the you know good in bed or the the hot sexy one or whatever the fuck and part of that was also just general rejection for so many years by men toward me i was chubby i was I was the wrong shape. I was uh, uh, ugly without makeup, you know, shit like that. So then it became like a, a conquest. Like I, not only do I have to get you in bed, but now I have to be the best I could be. And it was just so Sorry. dumb. It's just, it's me listening to like Howard Stern and other shitty men talking about how women, oh, that, oh, it's so hot that you that you suck a man until he fucking comes in your throat. You know, I can hear Howard Stern's podcast. Well, and, and it, it doesn't right work. Now, you know? It doesn't work either because what ends up getting said, and I remember I remember hearing this about many of my female friends who were like openly having sex and not feeling like, you know, ashamed about it and, and being able to like talk about it and do it was like basically like, yeah, no, that that's a fun time girl. Um, not the type of girl you bring home to mom and dad. And that was a whole other fucking layer of it too. Right. Because then I wanted to be the girl you brought home, but you couldn't bring me home right because i wasn't all of these other things plus i was also slutty or whatever the fuck you know quote unquote and it's funny because in in another sense this is actually the most basic way that masculinity has oddly played a role in the bedroom when i (laughs) my first few years of being with women i (laughs) for some reason when i was bigger than them like uh-huh. literally taller or chunkier or whatever than them. Uh-huh. I immediately took on the role as the more masculine uh-huh. and the more dominant when that is not who I am. I remember having sex with this one girl for a little while and it wasn't until, and I don't know why we never even had the combo, but it wasn't until like a year of like random hookups with her that she was like, can I be in charge? And I was like, please, 
please do. But I'm just, I never saw her as potentially being in charge because she was tiny. And like, what the fuck? And then once I realized that I, that that was ridiculous and that I was, that was a whole fucking simple but stupid genderizing of the situation. Right. I then, my life was changed because I got turned out by many a woman that was very small or petite or smaller than me or shorter or whatever that were dominant that I normally wouldn't have assumed to have been. And because I'm, I'm into dominant people mostly, uh, I have a little switch in me, obviously, because I just said that, but you know, because that's what I, I, it like opened up a whole new world to me of women that I could have sex with. Do you know, do you know how I, I told, and this is like so relatable, like, it took me forever, and I and I don't know if this is just a product of like, you know, um, I guess the fetishization process. Like those yeah. of you who know me, I'm six five. Right. I was gonna like, say you probably have similar experience. I'm I'm really fucking tall, but what I did not, and like it took me many many years to understand like like that this aspect of like masculinities, right? That the idea of larger older Mm. taller all all these plays of things right that we associate with like you know certain you know dominant behaviors right older taller whatever um i didn't realize how they were affecting um my ability to like kind of negotiate scenes that i really enjoyed with partners because like there was already this like predetermined Right, so the like, exploration wasn't there because it's like, well, I'm taller, so I'm the more masculine one. Exactly, I'm in right, right, and, and, and like, those <laughs> and those things always seem to flip. Like I remember taking home this bartender when I was like 16, and like you know, whatever, fuck y'all, y'all done it. Um, and like, and <laughs> and we get to this hotel, and like you know, I think I'm expecting like you know that. Because, like, he laid on all these layers of, like, well, because I'm, like, I don't know what to do. I'm 16, like, like you tell me. I've never picked up a dude in a bar, right? This is literally the first time I've ever picked a dude in a bar. I picked him up lots of other places before then, but not in a bar. So, you know, we're in the bar, and, like, he's, like, well, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a hotel room. We're going to split it. And then we're going to get naked and fuck around. And I'm, like, okay. So, like... I go, you know, we get there. It's cool. I go into the bathroom to, like, wash up, wash my balls, make sure they're smelling spring fresh and all that. <laughs> and, you know, because, like, you know, we hadn't negotiated anything else other than that. And I come out, and he is face down, ass up. And I'm like, you know, and this is where all of these, like, weird programs of masculinity start coming out for everybody, where I'm like dude, you're, like, 36, and, like, you know, I'm the spring chicken, like, you know, we didn't talk about this, but, like, I did not assume that, like, you were working, like, because to me, 
I'm not inexperienced with this scene at this point, but this is a very submissive thing to do to come out to like basically like have your face buried in a pillow and expect like your partner to take charge. Yeah, they have words for that. Yeah, yeah, derogatory. And and then, you know, so like, because I'm not one to be dissuaded, I like, you know, I go go and start fucking him and like, but it's more, it's like, boom, you know, wants me, you know, starts calling me daddy, wants me to spank him. And I'm like realizing, you know, like, this is un- unusual. I d- like I don't get this particular scene being younger than someone wanting to play out. And then it, it took me many years and many kind of retrofittings to realize how much my height was mm-hmm. always gonna always gonna play a role in a lot of not everybody's and a lot of individuals either presumptions or assumptions or hopes or desires around me that I'm going to top them, that I'm going to be the aggressor, that I'm going to be whatever, regardless of what I want and regardless of how old I am or inexperienced or experienced, you know, so like these all play into those things and like, holy shit, we do it a lot more than I thought. And like, at least on the queer male side of the fence, you know, so hearing you talk about that. Yeah, you know, being bigger it's a thing. Oh well, I mean, God. look at what, what's thing. the movie, um, Attack of the 50 Foot Woman or whatever. Giantess <laughs> right. giant porn is a fucking thing. Really? There is an assumption that the taller you are, the bigger you, I mean, giantess is that you're literally a giant, but the the whole premise is that you are a big ass bitch (laughs) and whoever is gonna get in your way is a subby little motherfucker and you're gonna treat them like a little fucking toy that you eat you know what i mean right right i was gonna say literally like what is the assumption that you're large because you've devoured all of your previous (laughs) needs i mean that's part of like the sexual but the idea is that you are just just this huge huge woman and you can't help but be a fucking bitch to all of the fucking little uh, sissies that get in no, your way and I it's an it. interesting uh, you know we we get these fetishes from shit that we've watched right and it's yeah. like i swear like attack of the 50 foot woman created all these fetishes for giant test porn and you know I, I guess the porn itself also creates fetishes for more porn but it's just interesting that that there is a huge you know uh, I don't know. There's just this huge assumption that size equates to, yeah, you know, gender and you yeah. know, sexuality roles, and it just—it's so weird and stupid. Because when you you know break it down, it's like that's nonsense. But that's, of course, we have these stupid fucking assumptions because of the way that you know media is and porn is and all these other things that we fucking consume religiously so it's just but it's funny because you don't even realize it i was like why am i being dominant with women because i know bigger because i wear jeans and they wear skirts wait we both wear what about the times when i was super feminine all the time and i was always wearing a skirt and they were too why the fuck is the assumption that i'm the fucking dominant one you know it's so stupid oh yeah i and and, and I'll be fair, I think these things are so heavily socialized, you know, and no, I'm sorry, even based on some of the stuff we talked about last week, I'm not going to believe that these things are actually attached to our biology in the same way. You could make an evolutionary kind of argument to me about some inherent 
attraction to things that are larger, healthier, bigger, based on, you know, propagating the most successful, but like of like trying to carry on your, your line in the most effective way, right? Natural selection style, but like, we're not there in that sense anymore. We have, you know, amazing ability to think about the way we think about things. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like there is, you know, our deeper dive was a little bit personal, but there is a huge overlap between masculinities, toxic and non-toxic, I suppose, (laughs) that, you know, overlaps into the bedroom. And I think that it's important to, Check yourself. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the deeper dive ended up being into us. So, you had a deeper dive into us this week. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was like, are we, yeah. are, we, are we doing ASMR? Yes, we are. So, next week, we will be back with a panel, an entire panel this time. Oh! round table of people all part of the new queer order organization and we are going to have these same conversations and discuss some personal stuff and ask everybody their own opinions and uh, experiences about masculinities and the trickle over into the bedroom so be sure to tune in like and subscribe follow us online at the screw nyc everywhere and make sure that you download our podcast we're trying to hit a number by the end of the year thank you yeah make it hot bye bitch